the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Get ready to talk some baseball. Welcome to the King's Corner Talking Baseball with Jim Layritz. From spring training to the World Series and beyond to the postseason, Jim and his guests tell it like it is and have all of the bases covered. Now, here's Jim Layritz. Hey, welcome everyone. Again, we are back with the King's Corner this week and just as we talked about and we left on last Friday, we talked about we would stay on the Prince Fielder watch. And just as Scott Boris had promised, there would be before the first pitch of spring training would be thrown, Prince Fielder would have a home. And believe it or not, I know there's a lot of people I talked to over the last week that uh, thought that maybe Scott Boris was losing his touch, that maybe that Prince Fielder was going to get stuck with a one-year deal and, and maybe the, the owners and people were starting to make a a statement to Scott Boris that he wasn't the, the the dominating factor that he has been over these last few years. And well, I have to tell everybody, Scott Boris is still the man. A nine-year, two hundred and fourteen million dollar contract for Prince Fielder. You know, and this is this is one of those situations where you you know we talked about all the teams, we discussed where we thought he might wind up, and Detroit Tigers come in and they swoop up and they give Jim Leland in the city of Detroit, a late Christmas present by the signing of Prince Fielder. So this is going to be an interesting situation, of course. Uh, once you get a guy like this and you sign him, uh, a lot of things have to take place. Of course, Cabrera's got to move positions. Uh, but obviously, you know, they, they, Dabrowski, Dave Dombrowski went out and said, this is one guy that if we bring in here after losing Victor Martinez, all right, that this guy, this could be the one guy that could change this ball club again and make them, of course, the World Series contender that they were just a year ago. And uh, what a great move. I think it's going to be interesting. And, of course, in just a few minutes, we're going to have Jason Beck of the site reporter for the Detroit Tigers to come on and tell us about Prince Fielder's uh, yesterday, his press conference and his introduction to the city of Detroit and the, and the Detroit Tigers. So, plenty of questions for him, plenty of answers to that. I'm sure he'll have for us after yesterday's conference. In the second half of the show, we are going to join my former teammate, the guy that I played minor league ball with and all the way up to the big leagues, a guy named Hensley Mullins, who is the hitting coach for the San Francisco Giants. And Hensley, of course, uh, you know, we, we, was with the team in 2010 when they won the World Series, was the hitting coach, and uh, is still the hitting coach today. And we'll be talking to him about the Giants this year and what they're doing and what they're going to be looking for and some of the new additions that they have. So a great show in store for you today. And, of course, like I said, the biggest news, the biggest news that we have is, is Prince Fielder. And, uh, you know, I've been sitting there watching all the shows and reading all the newspapers and, you know, when, when something like this happens, you you just kind of look at the rosters and you try to figure out what they're going to do and where they're going to plug him in. And and when I look at this lineup and, and, and what they're going to, you know, you, you get a guy like Prince Fielder and you wonder, you know, okay, he's a first baseman. You got, you know, I'm sorry, but you got one of the best first basemen in the league or in the game, actually. And uh, with Cabrera, with Miguel Cabrera at first base already. And now, according to Jim Leyland, he has no qualms about moving Cabrera over to third base. So this will be an interesting spring training uh, for, for Cabrera, of course. They did talk a little bit about how he's gone home. He's lost some weight. He's ready to go play third base. Um, and whether or not he is going to be, uh, you know, not quite as agile, I would say, as Brandon Ng would have been. But uh, someone that can go over there and do a job, of course, with the Marlins, as we all know, Cabrera came up as a third baseman, uh, has the ability to do that. But 
I guess every time you can get somebody like Prince Fielder and, and put him in your lineup, you you can have, you can move these all stars and move these guys around. And I think this is going to be a really interesting lineup. Number one, whether or not they're going to be strong defensively is a question. Um, you know, that could be something that could hurt them. But we will talk plenty of that when we get Jason back on the line. Um, and once we get him, we'll we'll talk about that stuff. But uh, other things happening in baseball, of course. Uh, I am actually in. Connecticut in Danbury, Connecticut, this week, coming to you live from here uh, with Bernie Williams uh, Charity Foundation Dinner. It's the Hillside Outreach uh, that takes place on Saturday night. And, you know, kind of a reunion for me. This is going to be uh, an interesting situation. Bernie's got this, this charity going, uh, taking place on Saturday. And some of the names that are involved Roberto Kelly, who, of course, came up with the Yankees early on. And basically, Bernie actually took over his job. Uh, Benzie Mullins, of course, like I mentioned, uh, he's here. Scott Caminiti, um, and a few of other Bernie's teammates, uh, you know, Chad Curtis is here. And we have a special guest appearance by someone that we had on the show last week, Don Mattingly. And Donnie's going to be here to support the charity. So a lot of good things happening up here in, Stan- in Danbury, Connecticut, and uh, raising money, like I said, for the Hillside Outreach. So uh should have a couple of interesting Interesting guest. Hopefully, maybe I'll get some interviews. Maybe I'll, I'll grab a few of these guys for uh, for next week, and uh, we can talk about some, what some of the things that are going on. But as of right now, not much other news happening. We got spring training about four or five weeks away. Uh, you know, it's, it's uh, there's still a few guys out there. I know a lot of people have talked about since the New York Yankees, of course, and I don't know if we talked touched on this last week, but the New York Yankees have gone out, of course, and signed. Two new pitchers. They signed, you know, uh, Kuroda, uh, from the Dodgers, and they signed him, and they also made a big trade. They traded Jesus Montero, who was there, who was there up and coming, and I was reading the, uh, New York papers the other day, and, uh, Brian Cashman came out and said, you know what, I may have traded, this may be the best player I have ever traded, and Jesus Montero, and, uh, you know, but you have to trade something good to get something good, and of course, they went and got Pineda, which on all looks could be the next coming uh, of an ace on their ball club uh, with what he did last year as a rookie. And I think I was talking to Al Leiter, um, who I, I saw at the bat dinner this week, and Al Leiter was telling me that you know he was watching Pineda pitch against the Yankees this year, and all of the Yankee hitters came back and said, "Wow, this guy's lightning. He's got you know he's pretty special." And you know, I'd say in the George Steinbrenner days, yes. It wouldn't surprise you that this would happen, but of course, uh, the Yankees did go out and pick him up, and I think their their sights might have been on, of course, Freddie. Uh, the uh, their sights might have been on the King King, King Felix, but I think uh, they're very happy with what they got with Pineda, and uh, you know we'll see what that remains to be seen. You know, the Yankees needed some pitching; they went out and got it, and like I said, there's not too many other names out there. There's not too many other other. Big signings left, um, but there is one, and I know a lot of people have talked about it. You know, it's it's always funny to read the papers and and see when the New York Yankees do something. Everybody says, "Oh, well, the Boston Red Sox have to do something now," and uh, they all of a sudden you read that they are in negotiations with Roy Oswald. So uh, that could be one of the additions that the Red Sox make to maybe counter some of the stuff that the Yankees are doing, as they always do. So we. Uh, we will talk about that stuff, and I'm sure, like I said, within the next three or four weeks before spring training starts, there'll be some minor signs. But with Prince Fielder finally being signed, finally being inked to the Detroit Tigers, uh, a lot of the big names, most of the big names are gone, and uh, setting the precedent for uh, what really could be an interesting thing. I think the Detroit Tigers, of course, make such a strong move uh, in a division that up until probably last year, uh, was a three-team division with the Minnesota Twins, the Chicago White Sox, and of course the Detroit Tigers. But uh, I think if you look at it now and you see what the Tigers did last year, Minnesota kind of, you know, not really having a solid club, not doing a whole lot this winter, losing a, losing quite a few guys, and Michael Kadire and a couple other key players to that team, uh, and then of course the Chicago White Sox with the hiring of Robin Ventura and the dismantling of a lot of those guys, uh, a lot of their big players, and starting a rebuilding process. 
I think if I'm Jim Leland, I am. Uh, I'm sitting pretty confident that uh, that my team has a, a a very good chance, a better than fifty percent chance of repeating, and of course winning the Central Division this year. So we will see uh, how that pans out. Of course, like I said before, we we have Hensley Mullins in the second half of the show. We do have some emails uh, that I can get to if we can't find Jason. So I tell you what, let's take a quick break. And we will continue to try to get a hold of Jason. We will be back in about two minutes. Let's see what happens. The opening kickoff is a beauty. It's a fly ball deep right field. From high school to the pros, we, we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. Jim Lairids is a two-time World Series champion, motivational speaker, and author of Catching Heat, a brutally honest book about the highs and lows of a professional athlete and life after baseball. Most people know Jim as a man who has always beaten the odds. Jim has never forgotten that with hard work, dedication, and God's power, one can overcome anything. Visit JimLayritz.com to get a copy of Jim's book or to schedule Jim for your next corporate fundraiser or event. The address again is JimLayritz.com. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. I just think that the coach made a mistake. All crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. You're inside the King's Corner, talking baseball with Jim Layritz. It's time to hear from you. Call in to our live show at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. You can also send an email to info at jimlayritz.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everybody. And, of course, as we've been talking about so far this morning, the late Christmas present to the Detroit Tigers and Jim Leyland, the signing of Prince Fielder to a nine-year, $214 million contract and adding this guy to the this Tiger lineup with uh, Miguel Cabrera is probably maybe the one, one of the best one-two punches in a lineup that you're going to see possibly ever. Uh, I'd have to say possibly in the top three or four, and I know Scott Boris, when he was trying to sell Prince Fielder, was kind of using that uh, as a little bit of bait, saying, listen, this is something that could be really special. So, As we promised, we have Jason Beck, the site reporter for MLB.com for the Detroit Tigers, on the line with us to talk about the press conference and, of course, everything Prince Fielder that's going on in Detroit right now. Jason, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Hey, how you been? Every, uh, yesterday's press conference... Tell me a little bit about what you saw and what you you heard from Prince Fielder, and as far as what his expectations are for this new ball club that he's on. Well, it sounds like they're pretty high. I, I think the you know it sounded just from what he was saying and and from what uh, Scott Boris was talking about that landing somewhere with a chance, you know, with a, a team with a realistic chance to win was really important to him, and uh, you know. Maybe even as much as, uh, or, or more so than, you know, landing in the city he's familiar with. Um, and like you were talking about, Boris really sold the idea of pairing these two hitters together and, and the type of uh, production they could provide and really the type of support they could provide to each other. Um, you know, you look at the lineup now, you know, what, uh, what Leland's looking at for a batting order, and you're talking about, a very productive middle of the order, but also some run production after it that, that could really put this in one of the better lineups in the American, you know, maybe one of the best lineups in the American League. I think, you, you know, now you're counting on 
some guys who had very good years keeping that up. You know, Johnny Peralta had an all-star season last year. Alex Avila really had a, a career breakout year. But even if you can get somewhere reasonably close to the numbers they posted last year, I, I think you're talking about a lineup that up and down the order has a chance to drive in a good amount of runs. Yeah, I think offensively, you, you look at this lineup and you say, yeah, they're going to, they're definitely going to be improved. Of course, losing Victor Martinez was, you know, tell me a little bit about that. Do you think losing Victor Martinez, of course, really accelerated this, or do you think they still would have gone ahead with this idea had Victor Martinez not got hurt? Every indication I've gotten says that you know this wasn't even the plans until uh, you know until they lost uh, Victor Martinez. Uh, you know the, the first call came you know really the day they realized the extent of the injury. Uh, you know the first call from you know from the uh, Tigers to Boris on this, um, or I guess first hint of a conversation. The uh, the first real you know substantive conversations came a little bit after that, and. You know, really, a pretty good sign to me. You know, just talking with Boris after the uh, press conference was that, uh, you know, he said, you know, he's famous for you know the binders he puts together on his, you know, on his bigger clients, talking, you know, listing the stats and kind of putting them in in a context. Uh, the Tigers supposedly didn't have a binder on, on Fielder until you know the end of the week. So, if they were seriously interested, even if they were seen. As a remote opportunity for for Prince Fielder to land there, I, I think they would have had to bind her before that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, like I said, and it's, I thought it was very classy what I what I heard in Jim Leland this morning on uh, some of the interviews that he was doing, talking about he called Victor Martinez and let him know that you know what you, you know there's still a place for you here. Don't worry. And uh, I thought that was pretty interesting. It's going to be. This is going to be a fascinating year, I think, you know, in part with the defensive arrangement. I think 2013 could be even more intriguing when you add Martinez into the mix. You know, A, because it makes the offense, you know, that much better. I think you could be looking at, you know, Victor Martinez back in a more natural spot batting third, you know, assuming he can still move around all right and he's somebody you want to put in that type of, uh, you know, top third spot. But, but just as fascinating to me is going to be, you know, the defensive fit, because then you, you lose the DH availability for Cabrera or, or for Fielder. But on the other hand, you know, potentially you gain a fallback option in left field you know, with, with Delman Young being up for free agency, you know, assuming they don't, uh, they don't make a move to resign him. You know, could we see Miguel Cabrera in left field? You know, by all accounts, that hasn't been discussed yet. But uh, I think, as we both know, things change over the course of a year. Things can change vastly, you know. And uh, you know, we have to see how this goes in terms of, uh, you know, what kind of defense is Miguel Cabrera capable of at this point in his career over at third base, which is, which is a quick reaction position with some sort of range required in a spot really where. And I think this almost goes overlooked, a spot where the Tigers have almost been spoiled in recent years by the defense they've gotten out of Brandon Edge. Yeah, exactly. And I think what, you know, and that's a big question. I wonder what they're going to do, um, you know, this year with Eng, with Inge as far as, you know, what he has done for that ball club and what he's done for them. And I think, you know, the one thing that I've been reading a lot about is the fact that, you know, Jim Leland is pretty comfortable, though, with the fact that moving Cabrera to third base yeah, you know, they talked about how he's lost a little bit of weight so far this off season. Tell me, what do you think? You're, you know, you've seen them. You, you, you've done that. What do you think about this move? And do you think this is something that, it, you know, could end up backfiring on them? I think the fact that Cabrera genuinely wants to play third base. You know, he's wanted to for years. I don't know if he was really, you know, even when he moved out of third base into decimate. I don't know if he ever stopped thinking of himself as a third baseman. I think, you know, the last few years he's kind of been, even just looking at the movements he's made around first base, you know, diving for balls in the hole and, you know, sometimes ranging just a little bit too far off of first base to go after a ball. You've kind of seen that third base mentality still there. Um, you know, 
So from that standpoint, I think if Miguel Cabrera sets his mind to it, and you know, I believe he has, I think that improves your chances of getting. You know, I don't even know if you know it's a respectable the right word. Maybe just presentable, a presentable season at third base out of him. You know, he's not going to be Brandon Inge, obviously. He's not going to be an above average defensive third baseman. I think what you're you're looking for is for somebody who makes the plays on the balls he gets to and, and gets to, you know, a decent number of balls. Um, but I think the exacerbating factor here, and I think a couple of us wrote about it, um, you know, last night coming out of the press conference, is that this is a rotation that has at least two ground ball pitchers in it. You know, Rick Porcello had one of the higher ground ball ratios in the league last year. Right. And Doug Fister, you know, yeah, he struck out a good number of, you know, really a shocking number of guys after he came over. But, you know, I think his bread and butter, uh, you know, for production and for deep outings is quick ground ball outs. And, uh, you know, those two guys are, you know, they rely on infield defense to, uh, you know, to to get them deep into a game. You know, you don't necessarily have to have highlight plays, but you've got to have guys who make the routine plays for you. And, uh Depending on what happens with that fifth spot, and it sounded to me like they're more—I um, I guess they're more ready now than they might have been a few days ago to go with uh, one of the prospects in that fifth starting spot. You know, if, you, if Jacob Turner wins that rotation spot, you're talking about three ground ball pitchers in the rotation. So that you know emphasizes infield defense and. Uh, you, you can't always rely on uh, you can't always rely on easy ground balls. You're going to have to have guys making plays. And from my left side, it's going to be a test for those guys. I'm not going to lie; it's going to be a test. I'm not saying they can't do it because I think, like I said, Cabrera's got the determination to do that, and he's an underrated athlete. But uh, you know, it, it's going to be something where we're going to have to follow it over the course of the year. And uh, I'm not saying it's going to work for a full season. I'm not saying they don't change midstream. It's, uh, but I think spring training in the first few weeks is going to be very telling. Now, what do you think as far as you know? Yesterday's press conference. I know, you know I didn't get a chance to see most of it, but where you know did Prince talk about? Of course, you know his father played for Detroit. There's some history there. Uh, you know, coming in there and playing for the Tigers. You know, what did what did he talk about? I know you know he has had a strange relationship with his dad for so many years. What did he talk about, and did he really lead on to any of that, or what did he kind of just gloss over uh, most of that talk? Um, he didn't really talk about his dad much. He talked about some of the memories from Tiger Stadium, um, you know, Tony Phillips throwing him in the trash can every once in a while and sneaking him candy from the uh, you know clubhouse kitchen and stuff since his uh, dad told him not to go in there. Uh, you know, those were kind of the things he was looking back on, you know, taking uh, BP at the Tiger Stadium, you know, hitting some balls in the seats and, uh, you know, talking about, uh, you know, the Mike Illich, the owner was talking about listening to, uh, Cecil talk all the time about his son and, uh, you know, kind of getting a pretty high regard from him early on, you know, even before he started little league ball. Um, but, uh, you know, was it a determining factor in him coming here? You know, I don't, I, I think it helped. You know, I do know he said that, uh, you know, it helps to have, Working, you know, a, a previous knowledge of the city. I think people who come in here from the outside and then have to consider, you know, maybe making this home, you know, it's a lot more difficult for those people than I think it is for people who've been here for a good stretch of time and who kind of get a feel for the city. Um, that helped. That I think helped the Tigers. But at the same time, I think if this team wasn't going into 2012 with a real chance to win. I, I don't think this deal happens on either side. Right. And speaking of that, you know, you look at you look at the division. Of course, it used to be a three-team division with the Twins and, of course, the White Sox. And you know, the White Sox obviously are going into a rebuilding process. The Twins kind of they're kind of in the middle of everything. That with this addition, with of course the starting pitching staff that they have, this team still you have to say, of course, it has to be the favorite to win this division. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I think, and 
And to me, and I was talking about this with, uh, you know, a couple other people yesterday, not, not necessarily Tigers people, but to me, the advantage they have in this division affords them some patience on the, uh, on the Cabrera experiment at their base. I think, you know, you can look at what they're doing and, uh, you, you can look at where you expect them to finish in the division, how much better you expect them to be compared with the other teams and think that, you know, okay, if there's some uh, if there's some bumps in the road the first few weeks, the first month or so, you can kind of live with that a little bit more than maybe you you would have even last year. When you know, I remember back when uh, you know last year when they started out of the gates, you know, a little bit below 500, and you know, next thing you know, after four weeks, Will Rhymes is displaced as a starting second baseman. You know, Scott Sizemore's in there, and then three weeks later, Scott Sizemore's traded. And all of a sudden, you got Ryan Rayburn in there, who was the who was expected to be opening day left fielder before Brendan Bosch came on strong in spring training. And you know, there were a whole lot of moves that were made with a sense of urgency last year. I don't know if you'll have that same urgency this time around. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's obviously a huge, you know, massive amount of pressure on these guys to win. But I think when you look at, like I said, just the difference between all these clubs, I think they can be a little bit more patient than they were, you know, this time of year ago. Uh, just real quick, I just want to ask you one last question as far as when you look at this American League and you see the likes of what the Angels have done, you see, of course, the Yankees and the Red Sox always doing their thing. As far as did in Texas, of course, you know, winning the last couple of years, where do you see the Tigers? And do you see them? Okay, yes, we, we feel like they're going to win their division. They should. Where do you see them? Are they on that elite level that the, these other teams are at? I think they're at the elite level, yeah. I think, uh, you know, somebody was asking me, you know, do, should they be seen as a favorite? I think, you know, everybody makes a big deal about, you know, the odds going down in Vegas and, you know, whether that should be, you know, seen as a sign of, like, you know, this big amount of respect going on. You know, that that's all meant to get people to, to throw money down at, at the casinos. That, I don't think that's an expert observation necessarily. You know, I, I think, you know, when I look at what the Tigers have done, you know, with some of these moves, not not just with, you know, adding Fielder, but, but also, you know, showing up to the bullpen with Dotel and doing a couple other tweaks, you know, I, I think that you should see them in that top level with Texas, you know, maybe the Angels and uh, the Yankees, you know, maybe the Red Sox aren't that far off either if they get some things to go right. Uh, you know, to me, the difference comes down to, you know, which of these teams is going to have the better rotation. You know, the Yankees did a ton of ton of good, um, you know, adding Pineda. I don't know if they're necessarily on the same caliber as uh, Detroit and Texas and, and uh, Anaheim. Uh, you know, those three teams... To me, the Darvish thing is going to be fascinating to see, you know, how he adjusts, but also how hitters adjust to him. Um, you know, the Angels just have a crazy deep rotation right now, and you know, for the Tigers, you know, they probably have the best. You know, they have the the best top guy there. Now we got to see, you know, what happens with the guys below there. Can can Fister, you know, replicate what he did last year, or at least come close? I don't know if it's fair to expect him to do, you know, the same type of. Uh, no impact he had, you know, once he came over. Can Rick Porcello turn the corner? Can he, can he overcome infield defense? Can Max Scherzer blossom into the guy I think a lot of people expect him to be? And if it's a Jacob Turner or a Drew Smiley or an Adam Wilk or, you know, whoever gets that fifth spot, can they at least give you, uh, you know, the type of innings and, and the type of performances that they give your team a chance to win? if they get the run support. Uh, you know, that's going to be interesting to watch over the course of the season. It might not even be evident, you know, early on in the year. It might not be really, uh, it might not become clear those differences until we get into uh, midsummer. Yeah, I think one thing, well, I think one thing is guaranteed that is, is, as much as last year as you saw such great pitching performances coming out of, out of Detroit is, People are going to come there to watch games this year to see some offense, and that one-two punch of Cabrera and Fielder could be something like really, really special to watch. And uh, 
you know, I'm sure we'll be talking to you more during the season. I appreciate you taking the time out, and I know you've been busy with uh, with everything going on. But uh, thank you for taking some time today. And of course, uh, it should be an interesting season for the Tigers. So we will talk with you soon. Thank you, Jason. Thanks. Thanks for having me. All right, buddy. That was Jason Beck, of course, the MLB.com site reporter for the Detroit Tigers, and. Boy, he's going to have his hands full this year. He is going to be a busy man. I'm sure there's going to be plenty of offensive uh, categories and things to be writing about this year. But uh, I think the Detroit Tigers, of course, with this addition, with the loss of Martinez, which kind of maybe put them back into mediocrity in that division, have now once again put them back on top as the favorite to win that division. So it should be a very interesting offensive year in Detroit, and uh, we'll see what happens. But... We will take a quick break right here. We're going to come back on the other half with Hensley Mullins, the hitting coach for the San Francisco Giants, and talk a little bit about what they're expecting for 2012. So we'll be right back with the King's Corner. Become our friend on Facebook. Post on our wall your thoughts about our shows and network. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. What if there was a program that brought the best in sports and the best of entertainment together in one place? It can be done. And Darnell Autry proves it every week on Outside the Spotlight. In this program, athletes and artists come together to share their success stories, hobbies, professional projects, and more that will interest not only the sports fan, but fans of entertainment and other human interest stories. If you have something you want to ask your favorite athlete or entertainer, listen for Outside the Spotlight, Fridays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Sports. You may not know all their names but you certainly know what they did. They helped make this game into what it is today. Now we can do more to help them. The NFL Alumni Association is proud to assist our retired players to help make their lives better today and tomorrow. To learn more, please visit nflalumni.org. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're inside the King's Corner, talking baseball with Jim Layritz. It's time to hear from you. Call in to our live show at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. You can also send an email to info at gemlayritz.com. Now, back to the show. And welcome back, everybody. Of course, we just got done talking about the improvements the Detroit Tigers made with the signing of Prince Fielder and all things American League. And now we're going to shift our gears a little bit and talk a little bit more about the National League. And, of course, in 2010, the San Francisco Giants were the World Series champs. And on the line right now, we have the hitting coach and my former teammate, guy that I came up through the minor leagues with and played a little bit in the major leagues with, Hensley Mullins, who is now the hitting coach for the San Francisco Giants. Hensley, thank you for joining us. Hey, Jimmy. Thanks for the invite, and I'm happy to be on with you today. Yeah, so, Hensley, let's talk a little bit about, of course, you know, the Giants. You guys are out in that, you know, that National League West. Uh, Arizona last year, coming back from last to first, and uh, doing some things over there. And that division has now started to to pick up a little more equally. Um, tell us a little bit about what you guys have done and what what you've watched your team do this off season. Some of the additions you guys have made. Well, obviously, it was a kind of a turnover for us this off season. We lost some of the big pieces that helped us win that 2010 World Series. And Pat Burrow, who's retiring, and Cody Ross, who just signed with the. Um, Boston Red Sox. Um, also, um, you know, starting last season in the end of the year, there we um, no longer have Aaron Rowan or Miguel Tejada with us. So, uh, Brandon Crawford is uh, coming up as a shortstop of the future. He's going to get a chance to play. Um, we also traded for Melky Cabrera, ex Yankee, uh, to replace um, a departed. Uh, Carlos Beltran, 
Um, f- uh, we traded Melky for one of our pitchers, Jonathan Sanchez. And uh, we also traded for Angel Pagang, another guy from New York with the Mets, uh, for Andres Torres and Ramon Ramirez, uh, two big pieces for our uh, World Championship season as well two years ago. So those are the, the two main acquisitions we made and uh, the, the couple of subtractions. And besides that, um, uh, you know, we were hoping for a return with the bats from Aubrey Hoff, who had a subpar season for us last year, uh, a return to action uh, from Buster Posey, who we lost in May with a with a horrible accident, a collision in the plate, broke his leg and his ankle. Um, also, uh, we're hoping Freddie Sanchez can bounce back from separate separated shoulder. We lost him in June. Um, you know, as you, you can tell, we used the disabled list 25 times last year, more than any team in the Major League Baseball. So um, with getting these guys back and getting offense from a couple of guys that had down years for us, um, you know, with, with our great pitching, we were hoping to be right at the thick of things in the National League West. And like you mentioned, Henley, one of the you know, one of the things that you guys had had a little trouble with was offense last year, with some of these guys being hurt and some of them having the, the off season. What do you do as the hitting coach, and what is it that you know? Have you been able to work with some of these guys in the off season, and and it, whether it's seeing them in person or just talking to them, tell us a little bit about what you do as the hitting coach uh, to try to to try to show these guys what they can do in the off season to maybe make some changes and and, and work on some things for next, for this year. Correct. Well, at the end of last year, you know, obviously during the year you you try to work, you watch film, uh, you do drills, you do extra hitting, you do whatever you can, you do simulated games with them, you do whatever you can to get them, to try to get them back on track. Uh, you know, the guys they had down years, obviously, um, uh, some of them never got out of it. They got a little bit better, but never um, to where it was the year before. But uh, at the end of the season, what I did with each one of them, we had. Uh, um, one-on-one meetings with all the hitters, telling them uh, what to expect, what they should be working on in the off season, and you know, just just flip the page. You know, try to you know start start with a clean slate this year, um, and go from there. Obviously, we do have conditioning camps throughout the um, off season. I just came back from Arizona, Scottsdale, where um, we're conducting a conditioning camp for. Our for our players, uh, from it was from January 15th through June, uh, excuse me, to February 3rd, and I was there last week working with some of the guys. Um, just a continuation with what we talked about at the end of the year. Um, you know, phone contact, texting, all of that goes into um, staying in touch with the players as you're a little bit more hands off, so they can you know, at least enjoy their family during our season. But you still keep in touch with them through the texting and, and things like that to make sure that they're doing the right things to come into camp with the right frame of mind and also the the right mechanics working for them. And tell me a little bit about, you know, every player's different, every guy's different as far as during the season, what they work on. Tell me a little bit about or tell people a little bit about what the challenges are as a hitting coach. I mean, you know, we all look at these players and we're like, okay, they're major leaguers. They're, you know, how much can you really do? How much can you work with them? But, you know, I know talking to you uh, and, and, of course, being a player too, that there are so many little quirks that guys have. There's some guys that, that have to stay in a routine. There's some guys that don't need really need a routine. Tell me a little bit about maybe some of the players you really enjoy working with and some of the guys that, you know what, that, that have to have that, that routine every, every single day. Yes, well, you know, it's uh, like you said, you know, everybody's different. You know, some guys need more, some guys need less. Um, some guys just need to be left alone, and some guys, you know, you need to um, really kick in the butt to get them going. So, you know, there's a little bit of everything. There's a lot of psychic involved. Um, as you know, you know, only about 15% of the game is is uh, physical, and, and the rest is, is mental. So uh, I'm part-time psychologist at, at my job. So, um, <laughs> but you know that's that's how it is. You know, you got to do what it takes to to get each and every one of your guys going every day uh, to face the challenge of facing major league pitching every day. And you know, obviously, you know I've had the chance to work with Pablo Sandoval my first year in the big leagues. Uh, the year that we won two years ago, he had a down year. Um, didn't play in the. Uh, for most of the significant games of our season and his career, which was clinching the the, the pen in the last day of the season against the Padres at home, he didn't play that game. Uh, beating Atlanta to to go play the NLCS against the Phillies, he didn't play that game. Beating the Phillies to get into the World Series, he didn't play that game. 
and beating the Texas Rangers to win the World Series. He didn't play in any one of those four games, and this was a guy that hit 330 with 25 home runs and 90 RBIs the year before. And here he was, you know, being humbled and, and, and relegated to the bench and not uh, being able to contribute to the winning cause, and, and that hurt him. And, um, you know, he put in uh, uh, $20,000 worth of uh, exercising in the, with his company over the off season last year, and, and um, uh, she added 35 pounds and came into camp great shape, ready to work, and turned the page. And, um, uh, you know, my, me and myself was in spring training since February 4th last year, so we worked uh, a month in advance um, working with him every day, and he never stopped working. And, you know, he he put in a great year, bounced back here, hit 315 with 23 home runs and 70 RBIs. Um, you know, even though he missed six weeks with a handmade uh, injury. And, you know, that, that you know got him a three-year deal uh, last week. So I'm happy to work with Pablo. He's he's relentless. He he wants to be good. He wants to be one of the top hitters in the league. And, um, you know, he obviously has the talent to do it. You know, he's a young guy, 25 years old. And, um, you know, it's, it's just a delight to come to the park every day and, and run into guys that want to want to work and get better at what they do. And, and he's definitely on top of my list. Uh, Freddie Sanchez is another guy that's that's a routine-oriented hitter, professional hitter, won, won a bat in Thailand in 2006 in the National League with the Pirates. Um, we were very happy to have him, you know, with us, with the Giants. Uh, you know, obviously, we lost him for more than half of the season last year with a, with a separated shoulder in June. Um, he's looking to bounce back. I was with him last week in in um, Scottsdale. Um, he's worked really hard to come back. He's he's already throwing at 110 feet. Um, you know, hitting is no problem. He's a guy that has to have his 15 minutes of routine every day in the cage before the game starts, just so he can be sure that he's uh, psychologically, mentally prepared to face whoever's pitching that day. And those are the type of guys that you say, hey, you know. It's 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 just a, uh, a joy to to be able to sit there and watch for this guy to walk in and know what he's gonna do, know what he's gonna prepare for, and 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 you know at the end of the day when these types of guys like this have two three hits in the game, um, you know it's gratifying to to put the time in and, and see the results. Tell me a little bit about Buster Posey. I know you know last year your catching situation offensively was was pretty tough. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about him and a little about what you, you know, coming back from an injury like this, what do you do as a hitting coach? Uh, are you looking for maybe something different, you know, whether or not his leg is fully healed or if he's 100%, and is he going to be able to catch, you know, on an everyday basis coming back? Well, first of all, you know, when I was in um, uh, AAA as a hitting coach in 2009, Buster came through as a first-time full, full-time minor league player in, 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 with, with the Giants. It was second half of the season. Uh, you know, it's fair to say that he's the one most talented um, player I've had to work with at the AAA level or any minor league level. Um, very prepared, very confident, um, um, very talented. Knew what he wanted to do to get ready to get to the big leagues. And, you know, it didn't take him long. Obviously, the next year he was already in the big leagues. Went in the National League um, Rookie Award. And then last season, obviously, the big injury. And, and how, we do, how do we go from there? Well, prior to the injury, he started off the season um, a little bit cold, um, unlike Buster Posey. And this is a guy that, speaking of routine, um, doesn't do a whole lot. Uh, you got to remember he's a catcher. You caught Jimmy. You know, you got to save your energy to, to be behind the dish and, you know, catching 120 pitches a night. So uh, uh, he does a little bit of work every day routine. It could be 15 swings. It could be 20, 25. He locks himself in, and he's out of the cage, off the tee, and he's good. He hits PP in his first group, and then he saves his energy for the game. Obviously, he's a natural. He's a great guy to work with because he's he's very aware of what the things are that he's not doing right to f- correct him himself. With a little bit of um, vision from my part, I said, "Hey, I see this. You know, you gotta make sure you, you know you don't raise your leg up too high." Make sure you keep that front shoulder down because when it raises up, you know, it, it causes you to collapse in the back. So things like that, little, um, just little adjustments to what he's doing daily, and then he takes off. Um, to finish uh, answering your question, catching-wise, we believe, uh, what, we, what we know now uh, from the doctors, you know, obviously it's a terrible injury. Um, you know, there's no really 
no no um, previous um, results from these injuries to see how much he can catch. Uh, but they're thinking he can catch about 110 games this year and go from there, maybe play first base a little bit, uh, um, the other games, or DH and early games. But um, from what we know from the last meetings, it was the end of the, end of the year, they were thinking that he was going to be able to catch about 100, 110 games for us this year. But um, I talked to him quite a bit in the off season, and he's he's feeling great. He's doing everything baseball-wise. He's no longer in rehab. Obviously, he has to continue to do his exercises to strengthen his, his ankle and his leg. But, um, you know, he feels great. He's been hitting. Uh, what he's trying to do this season is just to uh, pick up where he left off because he was in a 13-game hitting streak when he got hurt last year. Uh, one more thing about the hitting part of the game and stuff like that. As a hitting coach, you know, you have to watch things and put certain players. You study what they're hitting. And nowadays, I know they use a lot more video than they did before. When you got two new guys like Cabrera coming over and Angel Pagan, what do you do, Ansley, as a hitting coach? As far as do you study a lot of film? Do you do a lot of watching what they used to do, and then make sure they're doing the same thing? Or how do you go about approaching when you get a new player in? Well. Obviously, nowadays, you know, with technology, it's um, you can get a head start and a lot of stuff um, before you actually see the player in front of you in person. Um, you know, with the te- technology nowadays, we all got iPads, and, and uh, there is a app on there called TVTI Player that um, we get our films put into that one app, and um, you can watch um, guys over and over and over to make sure that, uh, um, you know, you can uh, fix what you see wrong or, uh, or continue to address what they're doing right. So, um, and this is no different with these two guys. You know, I, I got everything, every at bat they had, um, last season, uh, put on my iPad, both Melky Cabrera and Angel Pagan, um, uh, to see when they're right, you know, what the mechanics are doing. And also when they're not going so well to see the differences, see if I see anything. Um, that they're doing different to to talk about it and um, make sure that what I see is also what they feel. That's a big big deal with me uh, as a hitting coach. Sometimes uh, uh, you can see something in the player um, that he's doing right, but perhaps he's not feeling it. And you know as well as I do, you know, hitting is a feel. You know, when you when you get that good feel about hitting, you know, it doesn't matter how it looks. It's just you know you get that great feeling and you go from there. So that's why I watch a lot of film to make sure that what I watch is exactly what they feel. All right, well, listen, we got 2012 coming up. you got the Dodgers making some moves. you got Arizona, of course, having the season that they did last year. You look at your team. You look at, the, of course, the key signings of Lindsey Combe again and Kane and your, your starting staff. Tell me what you think and where you see this club, and, and just really honestly what you, what, what you feel going into 2012, this club have a chance to compete in that division? Well, you know, we, we, we always say, you know, through all the meetings we have, that we're, we're the team to beat in the National League West because of our pitching, our ballpark, um, and, and the division we play in. Uh, believe it or not, you know, I, you know, I believe we can create enough offense with, with the guys we have. Obviously, we need guys to stay healthy so they can – uh, perform, um, you know, and, and what they used to do, you know, is be um, uh, contrib- contributing major league hitters. And and when we have that in, in a consistent basis, on a daily basis, our team needs to create three to four runs on a daily basis for us to win games. I think we won 57 games last year when we scored four runs or more. Um, you know, that's saying a lot. So whenever we didn't score four runs, um, or three runs or less, you know, we, we put ourselves in the predicament. But um, obviously runs uh, is very important in, in, in San Francisco, and I believe for the acquisition of, of Angel Pagan and Melky Cabrera, two switch hitters, two guys that are, that are bringing energy and speed to our lineup, um, two, two guys that can uh, keep the line moving, I believe that they'll, they'll fit in very nicely with, with Pablo Sandoval, with Freddy Sanchez, with the bounce back here from... Aubrey Hoff, uh, and then obviously um, you have a couple of our guys, and Nature Holtz is going to be a right field. Um, you have Brendan Bell, who we think a lot of, and uh, Buster Posey, obviously, we, you know, we need him to bounce back, and then we have Brandon Crawford, who's going to play shortstop. So, all in all, I think um, 
our eight guys can can play with any of the other eight guys in National League West, and our pitching and defense is definitely going to keep us uh, um, in the run of things there in the National League West. All right. Well, tell me a little bit about what you're doing now, Hensley. I know you're you're here with me in uh, Danbury, Connecticut, and tell me a little bit about what what you what you're getting ready to do today and tomorrow, and uh, what what we're raising money for here. Well, obviously, you know, we were here we're here for Bernie Williams, um, ex teammate of ours. Um, that we played, you know, many years with. Um, you know, Bernie's had a great career, but he's also done some great things off the field. Um, and and the Hillside Outreach uh, is a, is a is a foundation that's um, looking out for people in need, um, people that need to eat. Um, you know, obviously they're raising money to 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 get food for um, um, for people in this area that are that are needing to put food on the table and and. You know, obviously, you and I are here with a, with a bunch of our ex teammates to to help Bernie, uh, which is in his tenth anniversary with this with this great program to to help collect some some funds to to provide uh, uh, meals for these people in this area that are in need. All right, well, man, listen, I tell you what, I am interested. Number one, to watch what San Francisco does this year. Number two, I can't wait to see you you again tonight and do this do these clinics that we're doing. Um, I appreciate you taking the time to join us, but I'm sure that I will be talking to you a little bit more this year because, like I told you when we met early this morning, uh, we do. Our, it, it seems like it's the New York Yankees West, as far as the San Francisco Giants go, with all all the ex-Yankees that we have there. But uh, Hensley, I appreciate you giving me some time today, and uh, like I said, best of luck to you. Thanks, Jimmy. Thanks. Uh, nice talking to you. Um, we'll see you at each other tonight, and uh, good luck to you too with the show. All right, Hensley, I'll see you a little bit later. All right, thanks. That was Hensley Mullins, of course, the hitting coach for the San Francisco Giants. And uh, like he said, you know what, he's in a division there in, in, in the America, or the National League West that uh, they have to be considered the favorites with their pitching staff and with some of the additions. You know, they're not the big-name additions, but the additions of Amelke Cabrera and an Angel Pagan is, is, a, is a pretty pretty good addition to that offense. And like, like Hensley mentioned, the, the comeback of – uh, Buster Posey is going to be a huge key for that team, and if he's able to catch 110 games and do anything compared to what he did the year before when he was healthy, uh, the San Francisco Giants are going to be a team definitely to beat. So uh, we will we will remain we will be on the giant watch this year. We will, as we talked about earlier, the Detroit Tigers, of course, uh, making some great moves. And next week we'll we'll be talking to you, and we'll hopefully. I'm looking, trying to get, and still trying to get a hold of Barry Larkin because I'd like to get Barry on here and talk about his recent election to the Hall of Fame and, of course, him and I growing up together, uh, what that was like. But I think we had a great show. Thank you guys for joining us, and we will be back with the King's Corner next week on Friday from 9 to 10 Pacific Time. We'll talk to you soon. We're safe for another week. Thanks for tuning in to the King's Corner, talking baseball with your host, Jim Layritz. We can't wait to have you come back next Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a great weekend. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com.